Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live, where I help you fix your Catholic marriage. I've coached and helped hundreds of men in their marriages, and now I want to help you. Call 313-RADICAL now. That's area code 313-RADICAL. And ask me anything on tough marital issues, such as what to do when she's asked for divorce. What to do when you have a mutual agreement of separation, but you didn't want it. What to do when your wife is cold and distant. What to do when your wife is having an affair. What to do when your marriage is bad, boring, lukewarm, and passionless. What to do when you engage in a mental embrace less than once a month. What to do when you sleep in separate bedrooms. What to do when she has left the home with or without the children. What to do when you're divorced but didn't want it. Call 313-RADICAL. That's area code 313-723-4225. That's area code 313-723-4225. Again, call 313-RADICAL right now for answers to intimacy problems, communication problems, prayer and spiritual warfare problems, authentic masculinity problems, a.k.a. how to man up. So... Sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock. But don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live. The podcast that helps you fix your Catholic marriage while also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. Moreover, where my main mission is to keep you, you, you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce, combat coaching is the flavor of the day while also helping me understand marriage and courting not dating in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. In this 98th episode, how to be a great Christian dad, your responsibilities to your children in the eyes of God, plus live calls from you answering your marriage and crisis questions. So get in that queue. Call 313-RADICAL. That's 313-723-4225. Or call from your browser at callinstudio.com slash radical one for some resolution to your marriage confusion. Quote of the day. So let's do this. Quote. What is it that makes the lover so curious and interested in all that the beloved does? Why is every tiny gift treasured, every word recalled again and again to memory? 
Why is every scene colored by the vision of the beloved? If it be not that in some way there is no peace without complete inheritance of the one in the other, no lover is ever satisfied with a superficial knowledge of the one loved. The lover of music can never have too much knowledge of music. The lover of God never knows the words too much. Those who accuse others of loving God or religion too much really do not love God at all, nor do they know the meaning of love. Those who are, in, are united in love enjoy and are painted at the same things. The psalmist who loved God would say that his heart was cast down at the thought of those who broke the law of God. End quote. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen book three to get married. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern for some resolution to your marriage confusion. Okay, 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 hip, 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 hop. So, yesterday, we discussed in episode 97 how doing an examination of conscience each day can prevent a wife from leaving, asking for a divorce, or seeking an annulment. As the measurement tool, we use the Catholic Church's examination of conscience for the married, which I will link to in the show notes. Again, an examination of conscience is defined as the act of looking prayerfully into our hearts to ask how we have hurt our relationships with God and other people through our thoughts, words, and actions. Using an examination of conscience can give you items to consider daily to help you realize if you are being a good Christian soldier, husband, and father. So today, we reach deeper to our responsibilities to your children in marriage as defined by Christ and his church. But let's not get it twisted. As a man, you must never place the, de the needs, desires, and wants of your children above that of God, your wife, and marriage. And I'm going to repeat that because y'all didn't hear me. As a man, you must never place the needs, desires, and wants of your children above that of God your wife, and your marriage. Just as you should not place your needs, wants, and desires above those of your children, you are a server, not a taker. So the questions to consider for the day, we're going to consider some questions for the day as we always do. I love posing with closing questions to get your minds to really go on about what we're going to really talk about today. And again, please do me a favor. Um, go ahead and get in that queue. And if you have any questions about children today, um, about what's expected in your family, um, how to protect them, how to discipline them, what that means in the eyes of God, it's very important that uh, you go ahead and get in the queue at 313-RADICAL. That's 313-723-4225. Because a lot of people today do not understand how to raise kids. It's not that they don't understand. They know what to do, but they neglect it and don't do it right. It's not hard really raising kids. I mean, they take you through a lot of chaos and stuff, 
But the thing with kids, man, if you and your wife stick together and on the same page and you're, and you and present a united front to your children, you will not have any problems. You won't. You won't. They will, if 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 you're see the kids ain't stupid, what they're gonna do is they're gonna come to their mother and they're gonna ask their mother, can they do something? And if she goes, ask your father. <laughs> and then that usually stops them right there, right? I don't want to go ask daddy nothing. But if they got enough courage, then they're gonna come ask you. And then you're gonna say, Well, what'd your mother say? And then the mother's gonna and then the, they're and, and then you're gonna say, Well, what what did your mother say? And they're gonna and they're gonna say, Well, mama said to ask you. I said, Okay, well, then that means it's my decision. So I, I say you can't do it, you know. And then they get all mad and stuff, they go huffy and puffy, but then it's over. That's the united front. That's the united front. But let's say that your child goes to the mother and the mother goes, well, um, I think, you know, yeah, you can go. You can do it. You can do it. But she didn't really talk to the husband. And so he doesn't really know anything was going on. And so the cow kid goes, well, mom said, hey, dad, no. She said, well, well, mom said, um, dad, come ask you, and but she said I could do it. And then you go, well, I don't know if that's what I want, if I don't want you, if I want you to do that or not. And then if you go talk to the wife, your the mother, and go, look, I don't think they should be able to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then the wife goes, yeah, you're right. Or she convinces you to go, you know. That's yeah, we, you're right. We, we, we won't we'll, we'll go ahead and do it your way or whatever you guys come up with. If you don't do it that way and, and she goes, well, I think they should go. And you go, well, I don't think they should go. Guess what? The kids sitting right here, they're hearing all of that. So guess what they're going to do every time that there is they want to do something. They're going to try to cause a conflict between you and your wife. And it's very important that you realize that kids don't really do that on purpose. It's just uh, they see a weakness. They see a weakness in the wall. <laughs> and so that lets them know that there could. Well, if I bitch and whine enough, I'll probably get my way. And this is why presenting a uh, not present united front will destroy your a relationship with your children. Uh, and it, it'll, it'll really hurt your marriage. I can't tell you how many clients I've had in my program that the kids run the house. The kids run the house. Whatever the kids want, they get. Whatever the kids want to do, they get. Whoever the kids piss off, that's whatever happens. Who are the kids disrespectful to? That's just how it happens. Most of the time, the mother is always on the kid's side because the mother's mad at the father. And so the mother wants friends and she wants, she wants, you know, comrades. So what does she do? She uh she she uh enlists the children to try to be on her side. So what does that do? That's the united front of the kids and the wife against the father, the big mean ogre. And that is so mortally and gravely sinful for a wife to do that, to to uh, to go against the authority of the husband who is who is Christ in the home, which means Christ. She's going against Christ. And if, 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 if a woman, I can't tell how many times I've seen women do that because women have to have support. They have to have it. That's why if your wife is leaving you, somebody told her that it's okay. A priest, a divorced, per, a divorced woman, 
a divorced man, a boyfriend, a lover. Uh, 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 it doesn't matter. You know, uh, adult child. You know, uh, it doesn't matter. Some kind of group that she's in, some some kind of divorce support group or something. Women have to have support, and if if you don't really realize that as a man, you're gonna go you're you're gonna go along in your life thinking everything is okay every day, and you're gonna look up one day and your wife's gonna say, "I need some space," and you're not gonna know what happened. This is why I I try my best to bang 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 that you have to open your eyes and get our heads out of the sand and look at our environment, which is our house, our jobs, and things like that, especially our house. Look at our environment and what's going on every single day, okay? And when your instincts tell you something's not right, what do you do? You move to deal with it. So it's, it's important about that. Um, so some of the questions that we're going to look at today to try to help answer is, what are my responsibilities to my children in marriage in the eyes of God? So you notice Jerry's not saying, well, this is what Jerry thinks. No, I don't roll like that. I don't. I don't. If it's my opinion, I'll tell you, well, this is what I think. This is my opinion. But mostly everything that you hear me talk about, it's it's through the church. It's through Christ. It really is. You know, I don't really, you know, and, and, if, and, if, and if I expound on something the church says, I'm expounding on it. I'm just going deeper into it. And I am putting putting my spin on it. You know, the next thing is, um, am I responsible for the happiness of my children? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is everybody going to tell you? You ain't responsible for the happiness of your wife as a man. You're not responsible for the happiness of your children. Well, who is? If you as the man ain't responsible for the happiness of your children and of your wife while they're in the home, who is responsible then? It's a good question, ain't it? So, uh, should I give my children all of the things I never had as a child? Ooh, should I give my children all the things I never had as a child? Should I make? Should I let my kid decide if they want to be Catholic or not at five years old, at ten years old? Should I let them decide that? Because you know, when I was when I was growing up, you know, my my father he and my mother they just drilled the faith into me. They drilled Jesus into me, and I just hate it so much. So what? Who cares? Who cares? Your life and our life and your life is probably crap right now because you 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 denied that at some point in your life you denied that teaching that that your parents are trying to do. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern, for some resolution to your marriage. You. So we are going to get started back with the content. And thank you so much, guys, so much for calling for coming back. Um, we can. I don't know what happened technically, but of course, that's the way of the world. That's the way of the world. My wife said I was getting. Uh, my wife said I was getting uh, attacked. Which man, that sounds right because I'm great going to some good stuff. So thank you guys for hanging with me. I don't know what happened. I'm gonna put my scene back up, the proper scene, so that we can go on with the content about the examination of conscience and how to. Uh, 
get our children uh, to be, what our responsibilities to our children um, inside the uh, uh, what our responsibilities to our children in the eyes of God inside of marriage. Okay, and so with that being said, I am going to uh, look at this other comment. Oh, Matt says all good. See, man, that's what good you got good people. It's always good to be. We got good people, man. Says, I can see and hear you. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Praise be to God. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, y'all. I really appreciate that. I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was all alone in the universe. (laughs) Ah. So that being said, I'm going to try to get hyped up again because that was a buzz killer. That was a buzz killer, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was a buzz killer. So now, again, an examination of conscience is the act of looking prayerfully into our hearts to ask how we have hurt our relationship with God and other people through our thoughts, words, and actions. And to do this, we reflect on the Ten Commandments and the teachings of the church. So what that means is we don't go on what we think. That's the problem with a lot of parents is we go on what we think and it's that's okay if you're formed correctly by God and his church Christ church and the reason why you need to know the Ten Commandments which is the natural law is because you're formed correctly and then once you're formed correctly you start to make decisions that will please God please your wife uh, uh your children ultimately you know yourself okay so How do we know that the examination of conscience is good? It's scripturally based. So in scripture, an examination of conscience was a command by the apostle St. Paul to be performed by the faithful each time they received Holy Communion. So an examination of conscience, when you go to, when you go to, uh, I guess I should say this. I didn't say this yesterday, but I think I did, but I'm going to say it today too. When you go, right before you go to confession, to confess your sins to, to the priest who represents Christ in the, in the church, in the confessional, what you do is you do an examination of conscience, and then examination of conscience, you go over that and you write down the stuff that you've offended God by, and it might be one thing or three things or whatever, your mortal sins and your venial sins. The examination of conscience helps you uh, come up, helps you remember stuff that you might have done during the month or the last time you were at confession, so you don't forget anything. And then you write it down, you go inside the confessional, you spout it off, forgive me, Father, for our sin, you let me know what's going on, he gives you absolution, if you are warranted, and then, boom, you're done. So that's another way, that's the main reason examination of conscience is good. It helps you to examine yourself and to not be giving you fluff to yourself, you know, um, because you can lie to yourself, but you can't lie to Jesus. <laughs> so the scripture says, St. Paul to be performed by the faithful each time they receive Holy Communion. So, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight through 31. People don't understand. Now, I'm just talking to Catholics right now because Protestants don't really understand and don't under what I'm really going to say. But you, it's a mortal sin. To He just said it. It's a mortal sin, a grave sin. Grave is mortal. Mortal means grave. Anytime you hear grave or mortal, that means it's, it's, it's a mortal sin. It means that that's a hell offense. That means that's damage to your soul. That means that separates you from God immediately. When you mortally sin, that separates you from God immediately. 
And what happens is you you um you're you're you you lose all grace immediately. Okay. So when we when we go and we in, in in mass and when we go and we take the Eucharist in and we are done a mortal sin and, and we didn't examine ourselves and we have done a mortal sin offense to God, then that is another mortal sin. So now you don't have one mortal sin, you have two. Okay, because St. Paul's saying right here, if you don't believe me, believe what St. Paul is talking about. And St. Paul is coming from Christ, and then Christ is coming from God. You know, so you can't, you bring damnation upon ourselves if we take the Eucharist, which is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, if we take it unworthily. Okay, so I hope that helps understand a little bit. So, a constant examination of conscience daily helps us on track, keeps us on track, and grow closer to God. So, today we'll go over the examination of conscience for the married. Nope, not for the married. Yes, it is for the married. So, then we go over the demonstration of conscience for the married, but we're going to go over the, 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 the part two of it. So, the first part is the actually the responsibility to the spouses. And then the second of it is the responsibility to the children. So when Scott, Scott, that's one of the questions Scott asked today when he was here, he asked me, he said, like, you know, am I, you know, am I marriage and family or I'm or, or am I just a marriage coach? And I I'm the thing about it is marriage and marriage hits everything. It's really marriage. Marriage and family, it's all the same, you know. Um and so that's why, but see, and in, in even in this document here, they put it's for the it says for the married, but it includes the the spouses and the children. All right, so that's that's why that's good. Next, so that answers his question really good. Okay, so this document was constructed by Father Thomas Winandi, exec, executive director of the Secretariat of Doctrine and Canonical Affairs of the USCCB the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops from 2005 to 2019. And I'll post a link to the examination of conscience in the show notes. So remember, so again, you know, the examination of conscience is for you to look at in your, in your look, look inside yourself and see if you offended anybody through your, through your words, through your actions, through your deeds. Okay. So again, heeding to these questions and principles on a regular basis will help you keep and a loving, caring, and open relationship with your children throughout their lives. It cannot be understated how much empathy, mercy, and justice, love, and our children understanding. Okay, why an action is being taken against against them, you know, or for them. For example, so we have to be careful that when we when we discipline our children, that we put empathy. Mercy, justice, love, um, and have them understand why we did what we did, what we did, or why we are punishing them. Okay, for example, if you discipline your child, there must be a sympathetic but direct conversation of why they were disciplined. Without this conversation, these tips will not work, and it is possible for a long-term resentment to set in. I have can I can't tell you of how many times. Kids grow up and resent their parents because their parents used to whoop their butt, but they didn't really. The kids understand what they were getting their, you know, getting in trouble for, and so they 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 kept as resentment, you know, and they they let they bared that throughout the years. So the younger the child is, the 
the less important the conversation is. So you don't, you know, you don't have this conversation with a two-year-old or a one-year-old. You spanking that butt. You know why? Because they know. Because they know. You said don't do that. Your tone of voice tells them everything. You know, if your kid was putting his hand on the on the stove, you you would you would spank that butt and say, don't do it again. The kid knows what you're doing. At one or two years old, three years old, you your kids cannot understand what you're saying. They only understand your tonal voice and pain. Okay? So it's imperative that we understand that. The reason that's why God says spoil the spare the rod, spoil the child, because it doesn't work if you don't. So kids, younger kids need discipline too. But you can't get on a knee and then talk to your kid in their face. Okay, little Johnny, don't do this and don't do that. That was wrong. So we're not going to do that again, are we? That kid has no idea, doesn't understand nothing you just said. That's why you spank them. You have to spank them because they understand pain at that age. They don't understand words. Okay? So you're doing, that's why we say we're doing an injustice to our children when we try to talk to them about certain things after we've given them. Now, if you got a two-year-old, some two-year-olds can, but I'm, I'm just, you know, one years old or whatever. If you tell them something and they do it, okay, they're good. But if, or, or, and they don't do it, and then they're good. But if they keep doing it over and over, then you've got to understand that your talking is not working and you have to escalate the punishment level. You're not being mean. Discipline is what you do for somebody, not to somebody. It shows love. And if your kids grow up and you didn't punish them and direct them right, they're going to blame you for everything. You know, okay? They're going to be resentful too. So if you whoop them and you don't and you don't explain why they're going to be resentful, if you don't punish them or whoop them and you and you don't say and and and, and don't and you, they're going to be resentful too. So it's a no-win situation. That's why when you well, I try to give you the best um I try to give you the best odds of connecting with your child, all right? So have I cared for the so the first one is so we're on we're on to the, the tips now. So basically the examination of conscience has like 26 questions. So we're gonna go through them real quick. Um first is have I cared for the spiritual needs of my children? So remember again, we this is God, the church, Christ telling you your responsibilities to so that we're clear. This is not Jerry, this is not me, this is me like giving you what God is asking you of you as a parent in the home and particularly fathers. That's what I'm going to focus on. Okay. So the first, the first one is how have I cared for the spiritual needs of my family? That is the biggest thing on here. That in the discipline, the reason why, because your kid has to, that's what you mean by talking about being formed. Your kid must be formed in the faith. Those of us that say, I'm going to let my kid decide if they want to go to church or not, or, or, or be a Christian or not, or be Catholic or not, when they get let them when they get to be adults, that is gravely sinful. That is being weak as a parent, that's not taking any responsibility for your child. And guess what? Christ Church, Christ Church has a has it built in naturally for a child to decide what they want to do. This is why Christ is so amazing. It's called confirmation. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's why you baptize your child when to get rid of you baptize your baby as soon as they come out of the womb. 
within at most a couple of weeks to a couple of months. The reason we baptize babies is because of original sin. When you baptize, what does that do? You get to start over. Remember, in the eyes of God, you are reborn. Even the Protestants know that one. Okay? So you are reborn. So that's why you baptize a baby. Get rid of the original sin. So then, through, when the baby, as soon as the baby's baptized, as a parent, you start forming, the Catholic Church starts forming the baby in God's will throughout his life. Then, when the kid gets to um, the first communion and all that stuff, then when they get to like 13 or 14 years old, 15, so we're running there. What happens is they do the sacrament of confirmation, which is another grace. It's sacred. What happens is at that time, they go through this class about Christ and reinforcing that. And then guess what? You, the, the child, gets to, the 14-year-old gets to decide if they want to be a Catholic or not, which means do I want to get confirmed or do I not want to get confirmed? If your child is formed correctly through those first 14 years, guess what? It's no problem. Boom. You have the ceremony. The bishop confirms them, and everybody's happy. If you as a Catholic parent do not form your child correctly from the time they're baptized until confirmation, which is about, what, 13, 12, 13 years or in the ninth grade, eighth grade, seventh, sophomore, whatever, around that area, your kid would not want to be Catholic. They won't want nothing to do with the faith, which means they ain't going to do nothing with you, and you're going to be very upset because your kid just made a decision that I don't want to be a Christian. That is, That means that they're going to go out in the world unprotected, and you as the parent are responsible for that. You are responsible. The daddy and the mama, okay? This is why it's important that we take our kids to Mass, we get our kids in the scripture. We have our kids pray rosaries. We take our kids to adoration. We spiritually, we uh, have our kids go to, um, um, you know, daily mass if they can, whatever. You send them to a school where they go to daily mass or at least mass once or twice a week after school. You go to, you send them to a school where they're talking about theology, the proper way of the Catholic church, of the, of Christ's church, of the, the, the most, the best of the Christian, of, of, of Christianity, you have to form your child if you want your child to make a logical explanation. And I tell you what, if you form your child correctly in the faith, they will be so much better to be equipped to deal with Satan's world out here. Please understand me on that one. Please, fellas, do not neglect this. And your kid's not going to be perfect. Of course, when your kid gets 18, they leave out of you or when they get grown they, they probably going to pray the rosary every day. They probably ain't going to go to Mass all the time. They probably going to go to adoration. They probably going to read Scripture. But guess what? You gave them the greatest gift you could give them as a father and as a mother. You gave them the foundation of Christ's church, the beginning of time. You did. From the time they were babies to the time now, you did the best you could do. And so if your kid goes out and make a stupid decision, does stupid stuff, that is not on you. That's, and that's why you got to continually pray for your child until uh, you never stop praying for your kid until they die or you die. Okay. That is the most important thing we're going to talk about today is you must people just like. So when I say form, that means form the conscience, form the uh, awareness of a child. 
so that you don't send them out in the world unequipped with no tools to defend themselves against Satan and the world. Just like at your job. Let's say you are, um, let's say you're a truck, I mean, um, a, 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 a surgeon and you don't go to school and you don't get formed by like what the job entails and the skills of the job and the mentality that you got to have to be a surgeon. And then you get in the, and then you get in, and then they just put you in the darn, um, in the operating room and you start operating and you don't know what to do. You're in a whole different world. You don't know what's going on. That's the way you got to look at your child. You're, you can, we, we cannot continually keep sending our kids out in the world unequipped to battle Satan. Now, if they get out there and they don't, they don't conform, that's on them. They now on you. Okay, next. Uh, have I been a shepherd and guardian as God has appointed me? So basically, have you as the man been a shepherd? Means taking care of your children, a guardian, protected and defended them. That's your mission, right? Protect, defend, and serve. All right. God appointed you that. In, in the Garden of Eden, when he gave it to Adam, Adam is our first father. All right. Next. Have I tried to foster a Christian family where Jesus is Lord? Ooh, ooh, ooh. They ain't going to like that one. They ain't going to like that one. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's what that means. Remember, in your home, they didn't say put Jesus in the center like Jesus is Lord. He's at the top. <laughs> he is the one. Why? Because if you if you put Jesus at the top and you as the man follow Jesus, then your wife will feed the kids to you and you leave everybody to God. That's how it works. Okay. Next, have I prayed with them? Have you prayed with your kids? Now, when your kids get older, of course, and adults, that's different. You know, we try to pray. We have Sunday dinner every Sunday with our children, our grandkids. And a lot of times we pray, we do other things. We just don't say grace. Um, you know, sometimes I, 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 you know, sometimes you get away from things, but the main thing is if you forget to do it, sometimes you get back on the horse. Okay. Um, and then when your kids are young, like when my boys were younger, I take them to adoration with me, take the daily mass with me and my daughter, I take her, we, we go do trips and it's not all the time, but if they see you praying and they see you going to church, like my kids every day, my two sons, they live, my two youngest still live with us until they get their careers going. So they hear me, see me every day. Hey, hey, y'all, I'm going to the church. They know I'm going to adoration, you know? So if they want to go, they can go. You know, they, they don't, you know, because they, they cool now, right? They cool now. But listen, I don't make nobody do, that's your, that's your spiritual life with God. It's your life. I don't make them do nothing. Only thing I make them do is if you live with me, Sunday, you at church. You at mass every Sunday. I want to hear, I don't want to hear about you gotta you gotta go to work. I want to hear about, I want to hear about uh, you know, I got something to do. I'm tired. I don't care about none of that stuff. If you're gonna live in this house, your butt's going to mass. You don't let nobody live in your house as a man and as a wife and as a single mother. You don't let nobody live in your house that ain't going to church on Sunday. You know why? Because you just ask for the demonic to come in your home. You're just asking for it. Listen, your job is to be a parent, not to be a friend. When your kids grow up, if you want to be their friend and their parent together, that's fine. But you can't be a friend only to your, to your kids. They ain't going to respect you properly. And that's not your job anyway. Your job is to be a parent, 
Okay. But please understand nobody lives in your house starting the day. If they're not going to mass on Sunday, if they ain't, and they don't want to, you say, look, you got 30 days to get out. That's is that from now on. That's the rule. 30 days. You got to go. And, and you know, me and my wife are firmly on that one. Cause listen, if I got to get my dirty butt up on Sunday to go to church after I didn't work, uh, eight, 10, 12, 16 hours during the week, your butt's definitely going to get up and go. You definitely going. And you're going to do something in the church too. You ain't going to just be sitting around going to mass every week. Don't do nothing. You're going you're gonna to serve. You're going to be an usher. Uh, you're going to be in the choir. You're going to do something. You know, that's why I told my sons a couple months ago. I told my wife, look, they're going to start doing something. Because you, if you don't do nothing, then you, you're not getting closer to God. If you're not, if you're stagnant with God, you ain't growing with God. Okay. If you don't have the knowledge of God, you can't love God. All right. You know, you, you can say Jerry said that one. <laughs> so next, uh, have I been persistent and co courageous in my training and teaching? Have I been consistent and courageous in my training and teaching? So that mainly means training and teaching in the faith, but also other things about life, you know, life skills and stuff like that. Okay. Courageous. Like if your kids are being whiny about it, if your wife don't agree with it or your wife is doing something good, you don't agree with it. Is she being courageous? Are you being courageous? Are you making those kids do what's good for them instead of being weak and letting them do what they want to do? That listen, we're going to be judged on that. We're going to be judged on that. Okay. So uh, have I disciplined them when necessary? See, this is God talking. It's right here in the examination of conscience. Before you go into the confessional, it's right here. Have I disciplined them when necessary? It's right here. If we don't discipline our children, we are doing a disservice to them. We are, we are, we are, we are, we are. Okay? But there's a, like me, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I never, I never just whip, I never just uh, spank my kids when they do something wrong at the first, I never have done that. You know why? Because I believe I'm, I try to be like Christ. Even when I, even when I wasn't in the church, I, that's how I did it. I have a system. I learned a long time ago. You don't whoop your child when you're mad. You don't punish your child when you're mad. You don't, you calm down for a little bit. Cause you know, you calm down for a little bit, get your thoughts together, you know, and then you punish them. You try because if you punish your kids when you're angry, first of all, if you're spanking them, things can get out of control. If you punish, if you if you if you put them on uh, what is it? What do they call it? Not curfew with the kids. You put make them stay in their room. You know, you know, punishment like that. Make them stay in their room. Take their phones. They can't hang out, hang out with their friends and stuff. You know. That right there, you don't want to punish. You don't want to even do that when you're angry because you're going to over punish them. You might not, you know, might not, you might, the punishment might not fit the crime, right? You know, and and listen, these are things that you do not take as a man in your home. You never take your kid insulting your wife. Nobody in your home assaults your wife. Nobody in your home smarts off to your wife. Nobody in your home treats your wife with other than anything other than love, respect, caring, um, and, and, and reverence and devotion. If they don't do that, they got to go. And you, and as a man, your job is to pounce on that now. 
My kids know. Don't you even think about raising your voice to my wife, to your mother, who is my wife. It ain't going to happen because you will get beat down real quick. Nobody, nobody, nobody does, you know, why? Why do I, why is that number one rule? So number one rule, but you got, you got to, you got to, you got to teach ignorant, stupid boys how to treat women. And if you allow your sons to, to smart off to your, to their mother, to treat their mother with disrespect, to, um, to, 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 to call your mother names, even to, even to do stupid little faces that the kids do. You know how they do, like, uh, you know, get all, like, huffy and puffy with their mother and stuff? No. You can't even do that in my house. You know why? Because if you start doing that, you know, then what happens is then they get, they start, it starts increasing more and more, and you look up, and then the very thing you was trying to stop, the kids are doing you can never allow that. You don't let your kids make a stupid face with your when, when they're getting you know, with your mother, with you. You know, you don't do that. You don't let your kids get away with nothing when it comes to discipline and authority. Like with you as the husband, you do not let your kids defy you in any way. You know why? Because they're going to get out here in the in the real world with a gang member or a police officer or a teacher and they're going to get beat down. They're gonna get arrested. They're gonna get on. They're gonna get uh, kicked out of school. If that's number two, the number two thing is you don't let you you don't let your kids disrespect authority in the home, which is you. You are very rough on that. Why? You have to be, especially with boys. And then usually the girls will come along. The girls will come along because girls ain't stupid. Because boys are the ones that usually act out first. <laughs> <laughs> the boy, because you know they can't think, they don't think right, think straight. They act out first, and the girls learn real quick. Like my daughter, she learned real quick. Because I get on Max and Marcus, my first two boys, I get on them real. I would get on them quick, boom, and she learned real quick. Like she don't play that. I she didn't play it. She learned real fast, and that's what I'm telling you. The reason you and your wife have to be so hard on discipline is because. You can't send your kids out in the world and not understand what respect is to authority. Because if they're going to disrespect you in the home, they're going to carry it out there. But in the home, this is why you have to be merciful. You have to be empathetic with your children. You have to explain to them why they're in trouble. And you have to let them know that you love them. That's what that, that love conversation is about. Like, look, I had to whoop your butt. You know, how to, you, know how to, you know why I had to whoop your butt, right? Yeah, Dad, I know. That's another thing. I ain't got to tell my kids why they got a whooping. Or I ain't got to tell my kids why I took their phone. I ain't got to tell my kids why they don't punish me. They got to do extra chores. You know why? Because I didn't gave them three or four chances. Sometimes more than that. I didn't gave them three or four chances. And, and, and they know, they know that, um, so they know when they get, why they get in trouble. But I still sit them down and let them know anyway. You know why? Because that's the, that's the, because that's the, that's the fair thing to do. That you're on the same pace because you don't want them to do it again, right? You know, one thing about my sons, my two youngest sons and my and my daughter, they they have a lot of their mother in them, <laughs> so she don't play. She's she's more of the listen. That's what they said. Do that's what you're supposed to do, and they're a lot more laid back. 
my other two boys got a lot of me in them. You know, I'm fiery. You know, that's just how I am. And and so, you know, I got to be on them a little bit more. But the thing about it is, is you've got to understand. You've got to understand um, that, that that's how you are. Um, so when you discipline, you've got to sit them down and have the conversation. You got to let them know. Okay. You've got to test them and, 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 and let them know that you love and you care about them. And I know I keep harping on this man, but the conversation, when you discipline your child, it is very important that you sit them down and you let them know why you let them know that we're not going to have this conversation again. And you let them know that you love them more than anything. Then your kids, if the, if the kids know they're getting in trouble, they can accept it more. They're like, listen, I, I call, they know I caused it. So especially if you're you're if you're merciful and, and, and you give them and you give them chances. That's why I don't whoop my kids or I don't punish my kids the first time unless they do something that requires it immediately. Like, let's say you have in the bedroom and you and your wife sleep and your six-year-old opens the door to let some stranger in the house. Uh, he's automatically getting a whooping. Automatically. You know why? Ain't no thought about that one. Because you've been told don't open the door. Especially you've been told don't open the door for nobody ever. So I'm me and my wife upstairs sleep and you go open the door. That means you put a danger to us. Danger and safety are above everything. You don't sit there and think about it then. We don't we don't have no talks when it comes to stuff like when danger and safety. You know, or or like or like uh or like if if your son steps to you as a man, you know, he's 10 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, he's smelling himself and he steps to you, you gotta put him down now. You gotta put him down now. You know why? Because he's gonna run your house. He's going to run it. Now, some of you might think that that's unfair to do him like that. No, it ain't. Dude, when you're raising a son, you got to treat him. You got to prevent him from getting put in jail and getting understanding that he can't, he can't confront you as the father in the home. You're a Christ in the home. If he could confront you, he's going to confront Christ. He ain't going to do nothing. He's going to go out here and confront a police officer or he's going to piss off a gang member. He's going to get shot and stabbed and put in jail. People don't really realize what they do in the house affects everything outside the house. That's just the way it is. And if your son comes to you and confronts you, you got to put him down immediately. If he's trying to raise his fist to you, we ain't talking. We ain't talking. Ain't no talking involved in that. But see, if you raise your kid right from the time they come out of the womb, and, and you and you and you nurture them and you let them know that you love them and then let you care about them and they and you you form a right in the in the church with God, your son will never, your son will never ever step to you. Never. None of my sons have ever stepped to me, ever. And it's not because they're necessarily scared, it's because they know I love them. They know that. And if I tell them something, it's because I love them. I have their best interest at heart. And, and that's how you got to look at it. If you try to wait till your kid is 10, 11, 12, the, the further that you allow discipline to go past the age of 10, you are asking for problems with boys and girls too. Girls too. 
because they start spilling the hormones, man. People say, oh, they're just being teenagers. I don't care what they've been. You are not going to disrespect your mother and me. Because why? You're a black boy, and I can't let you go out here being stupid with some police officer because you will get shot. That's why I'm the way I am. Because I have, I've got to raise black boys. I've got to raise boys. They're black. And this society will put them down real quick. So, again, like I said the other day, well, my every boy, all my sons know, and my daughter too, but my sons especially, because, you know, women, they don't, they don't piss people. They don't piss officers off like that. They know how to deal with them a lot better than we do. Um, but my sons, when the cop pulls you over, you put your hands on the steering wheel you don't reach for nothing. You don't reach for your insurance. You don't reach for your license. You don't reach for your gun in the back seat. You don't do anything. You put your hands right on the steering wheel. You look straight forward. And you look, and when he when the officer comes to the to the side window, he'll say, he'll tap on the on the window and he'll say, hey man, basically saying, let your window down. Only then do you pull your hand off of the steering wheel to let the window down. But your other hand stays on the steering wheel. And then you let the window down, and then you put your other hand back on the steering wheel, and you look at the officer, and he'll go, "You like, you know what?" He'll say something like, "You know, well, you know, you know why I pulled you over." If you know, you don't be don't be silly. If you know, say yes, I know. If you don't know, say no, sir, I don't. And you always respectful. You are always respectful to um to to officers. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, officer. No, officer. These people today that are out here telling black kids to disrespect black men or black people in general, white people too, telling people to, to, to disrespect police officers are stupid. They're stupid. He has a gun. Do you know now police officers get out of their gun out of their car with their hand on their gun now? They have their hand on their service revolver when they get out of the car. So they are ready to pull it out and shoot somebody. So you're going to disrespect him and treat him like crap, and then you're going to piss him off. And so then you're going to oh, okay, you're going to play games. I'm going to show you what games are. He's going to yank your butt, yank your son or your daughter. He's going to yank him out of the car. He gonna, then first he's going to call for backup if he ain't got a partner. And then he's going to, first of all, he's going to do, he's going to get his partner. He's going to come yank your butt out of the car, put your face to the pavement, and your daughter's too. Put their face to the pavement. Then he's going to call for the big boys. He's going to call for all his backup boys. And then you, before you know it, that's why That's why when you're driving along the highway and on the streets, you wonder, why are all those police cars out there for that one dude? Because that, that dude was acting silly. So the cops these days, they don't play, man. These, they do not play. And if you act like you have some sense and you treat your boys and act like they got some sense, your boys will survive. And that's what you want. You want your children to survive out here in the world, and you got to equip them for that. Okay? Listen, I know I talk very direct about this because I've been through a lot in my life with this stuff. You know, I've coached a lot of boys. Mothers bring them to the football field because they ain't got no dads in the home. I've, I've coached for 20 years. And, man, I'm telling you, I know how to deal with boys. I really do. And, and, and you got to teach your boys how to survive out here. And that's a gift that I have. But, man, you can't be being all weak with your kids. You can't, especially your boys. Okay? So, next. Discipline. I know we don't have a long time. So, next. Um, let me see. 
Uh, have I been lazy and are showing no interest, concern, or enthusiasm for my children? So being lazy, showing no interest or concern for them, you know, you got to spend time with your ch- kids. You got to go to their events. You know, if you can't make it, you let them know, but you don't make that a habit like that. Okay. Have I talked with them to find out their problems, concerns, and fears? So you always, it's like your wife with your kids. You, you keep your radar out. It's your job as a man, as a husband, as a father, keep your radar up. So you know what's wrong with your children. If your if your if your kid has never disrespected you before, and all of a sudden they're disrespecting you, you know something's wrong with them. Take the time to sit down and talk to them, and you you will grow. If, once your kids know that you care about them, they will open up to you and, and let you know a lot of things. And more than that, more than that, you know what's more important than that? When your kids go outside and you're not around, they're gonna do what you and your wife would have them do anyway. For the most part, that is. That is the mark of good parenting, that when your child goes to school, when they step outside your door and you're not around, they still do what God and you have asked them to do for the most part. (laughs) I say for the most part because we all know kids, right? (laughs) So next, uh, have I been affectionate toward them? Being a man Women are are easy. They easy like that for most most women anyway. Husbands, we have far we have a we have a problem sometimes. We want them to be tough. But listen, I hug my my adult boys. I still hug them and kiss them. I do. They know that their father loves them. When there was kids, I did it. Dad, they'd be like, and then my son stop Jericho. He's a trip. My son Jericho's a trip. Uh, he he's like Mister Big, twenty years old now, and so I go it. I'll go and like, but usually it happens on Sundays or something because we're all together and I'll hug him and he's, he stands there all stiff, stiff. He won't let me pull him to the side. He stays all stiff. And so I'd get on my tiptoes and kiss him on the cheek and stuff and hug him, tell him I love him and stuff. He's a trip. But dude, my boys know I love him. My kids know I love him. I spend time with them. Even as adults, you are, your job as a father is never over. When your kid gets when your kids get 18, they are no longer children, they are adults. So now it you move from directing them what to do to guiding them on what to do. That's a different that's that's a whole different thing. You move from directing them what to do to guiding them what to do. Okay? It's very important. And as my kids grow up, once they hit 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 every year, I gave them, le- I, 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 I interfered in their life less. I gave them more and more responsibility. I gave them more and more of a leash. Why? Because I had to, me and my wife had to prepare them to be an adult. Right? Okay. So next, um, uh, have I hugged them and told them that I love them? Talked about that one. Have I played or, rec- or, re- or recreated with them? Talked about that. 40. Not for the next one. Have I been impatient and frustrated with my kids? that's a good one. If you lose your temper on your kid, you apologize just like with your wife. You pull them to the side and say, look, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I overreacted or whatever. If it was your fault, okay? Um, if you get frustrated or whatever, you, you try to, uh, as a man, I've learned in my home, I had to always be under control because people get real, like when the mother ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's true. But when daddy ain't happy, it's a whole different world. Things start getting towed up, <laughs> you know. So I've learned in my home, I have to be very, very 
under control at all times. The reason why is because people, you don't want your family to be scared of you. And what, because once your kids and your wife have to be scared of you, it's a different world. It's, and I, it's different than being, it's different for them knowing that you have the capability to put fear in them. But like, like if, if somebody's breaking in the house, right? Like, and you gotta be like, go to your room right now, you know, and, and you getting your gun out or whatever you do to protect your house, you know, that's different. But to lose control in the home, you know, when just because you got mad stuff and there's no threat or something like that, you know, that is that's that's gonna you don't want that in your wife and in your children because then it makes it very hard to develop a great relationship. Um, uh, have I corrected them out of love in order to teach them what is right? and good. I talked about that. You, you you correct your kids out of love because you love them. You're empathetic with them. You're sympathetic with them. You know, and you always try your best to, to, to be on their side. But when they do wrong, you bust the butt. You punish them. You take their phone. You you put, the, put them on punishment in their room. You don't let them spend time with their friends. You know, the way I do things is I have, when I did some of my kids, I have a certain system. It's best to have a system. You know why? That way you have a system that you follow and your anger does not come into the play. That's why you heard me say, I never punish my kids when I'm mad. I calm down first. I calm down first. And then I say, okay, that's number one. That's your first chance. If it doesn't, if it wasn't done to do with safety or emergency, I mean, safety or danger. Okay. You know, then, like, when I did punish my children, if I if it got to the point after I gave them three or four chances and they didn't, and they're still doing the same stuff, then you get, you get, how many licks you get is how old you are. So if you're five years old, you get one lick. So you get five licks and you get plus one. That way, as a father and a mother, you don't lose control. Everything's in a controlled environment. You don't, you don't get, you don't be mad and start beating the heck out of your kid and putting marks on your kid. Then the kid going to school with marks all on them and stuff, which is wrong, right? You know, this is why you got to be under control. If you're ten years old and you got and you and you and you and you and you in a whooping, a a, a, a spanking situation, you get ten licks plus one. And guess what? All of a sudden, we don't have those problems no more. You know, if you if you as a parent get to the point where you have to spank your child like that, then, you know, they need it. Then they'll probably conform and start to act right if you sit them down and they know why you're you're punishing them. OK, uh, next. Um, um, have I spoken to them in a, in a sarcastic or demeaning way? Have I treated them with respect? Boom. Talked about that. Next. Have I held resentments against them? Oh, that's that's a good one. Having resentment towards your children, I see it all the time. But what you got to do, man, is you got to. It's like it's like with your wife. You got to not let that stuff hold you. Don't let it go. Pray, pray on it. Ask God to groom it for you. Make it right with your kid the best you can. Okay. Remember the prodigal son. You know he pissed his father off, took the money, squandered it, came back, and then you know. He he was had his hand his hat in his hand, and he was very you know sad about it. The other son got mad, but the father was like, "Look, look, man, let's celebrate. Our son is home." And then once you celebrate, then you sit down and you talk about and you try to fix stuff and try to talk about the problems and how you can make it better. Okay, so 
Um, have I forgiven my kids for when I resented them? So talked about that. Have I been of one heart and one mind with my spouse in the upbringing of the children? Have I been of, of one heart and one mind with, with my spouse in the upbringing of our children? Oh, my God. That is so important. I talked about this earlier. You have to be, you and your wife have to be on one page when it comes to raising the kids. If you disagree, this is why you can't just talk about having fun all the time. You got to actually talk about things that mean something. So when they come up, you've already got it sorted out. So you and your wife have to be on the same page. If you disagree, you go in the bedroom, you figure it out, and you come out with one decision together. If you can't figure it out, then you tell your child, I don't know. We gotta, we, we're, we're still talking about it. We got to figure it out, okay? So next, um, have I allowed disagreements and dissension to disrupt the training, education, and discipline of our children? You see how in this, this document, this, this thing of the church, of God talking, of Christ talking, that discipline comes up a lot. It's not a coincidence. Discipline comes up a lot because if you're not disciplined in your life, you're going to be a failure, right? Anything we do, if we don't, if we're not disciplined in what we do, we're going to be, we're going to fail at it or and not be good or be inept at it. Okay. So, you know, disagreements, dissension to disrupt the training, education, and discipline of our children. We have basically be in there. I talked about that. So next, have I undermined the role of authority in the eyes of my children by speaking negatively against God, the church, my spouse, or others who hold legitimate authority over them? So that means what? You do not, we are, we're not supposed to dog out our priest in front of our kids. We're not supposed to dog out the church in front of our kids. We're not supposed to dog out Christ and God in front of our kids. Why? Because those are authority figures and they deserve a certain amount of respect. And if you're saying that that our priest is stupid, he's dumb, you know, now you could talk about things scripturally like, like, look, man, I wish our father would, you know, preach more on the word more, or I wish, you know, you know, things like that. Or if it's out in the open that you would say like, you know, that a priest raped a woman or something. I mean, well, you know, you can talk about that out loud, you know, it's open, you know, it's, it is, everybody knows about it. So, you know, that's different, but to openly disrespect the authority of Christ, a priest, um, the, uh, uh, the church, archdiocese and things, a bishop, things like that. You're not supposed to do that, you know? Um, and, and it's, it's obvious, it's obvious. Um, but there's a lot of pain in the church these days. And I understand why people do it. So, Next, I have I been a good Christian witness to my children and what I say or do, or do I demand one standard for them and another for myself? That do what I say and not as I do, that stuff don't work. Your kids will, will hate you for it. They will disrespect you, and your wife will hate you for it. She'll disrespect you. This is why I ask guys to, we've got to fix ourselves. We've got to fix ourselves, okay? Kids will do what you do. Your wife will do what you do. Your kids will do what you do. Because you are the leader in the home. That's the way God set it up. So whatever you do, if you say something and then do something different, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. It's been proven. It's been proven. So next, have I been properly generous with my children regarding money and physical and material well-being? That's self-explanatory. 
you know, you don't let your kids starve. Make sure your kids got, you know, food, I mean, uh, food and clothing and shelter. You know, you don't spoil your kids, give them elaborate gifts, you know, and things like that. One thing that we mistake we made, we made the mistake of giving our kids phones. No, it gave our daughter phone, a phone when she was uh, in, in grade school or something in a freshman. And that was the biggest mistake we ever did with our daughter. You should never give your kid a cell phone. You should never do it. Because you know what? They're going to talk to people who that you don't know they're talking to. They opens them up to all kind of stuff. Now, I don't know if you could program the phone to only accept certain calls. I don't know. I've never tried that. But if people say, well, it, they got to be able to call me or I got to be able to call them. Okay, well, that's cool. But you didn't used to be nobody had phones and stuff. Call the school. Talk to them, you know. But if you got to give your kid a phone, it needs to be blocked. A lot, of, Everything has to be blocked from coming to your child except your number, your husband's number, their brother's and sister's number, their grandparents' number, things like their, their, God, their godmother and godfather's numbers. That Especially the younger your kid is, the more you got to be on that. You can't just give your child a phone and say, go out and talk to whoever you want to, go on any website you want to, and blah, blah, blah. Every kid in my house except my daughter, because she was she's the oldest, and so we learned from that. Nobody in our house had a cell phone until they were grown. You know why? Because then you could pay for it yourself. And uh-uh, that's how it was. Next, have I been miserly? That's simple. You know, have I withheld money and, and just, you know, didn't take care of my kids properly and stuff like that. Um, next, last one, have I been extravagant thus spoiling them? We talked about that. You know, giving your kids too much, they don't appreciate it, don't respect you. They they don't and then they you they become materialistic. They their partners that they choose to spend their life with, their husbands, their 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 husbands, their da- their daughters, I mean their husbands, their wives that they choose, they they, they're going to be materialistic with them, which means selfishness. And what will happen is they will lose their wife. They'll lose their, their husband. Okay? So that being said, we are done for the day. Man, we went through a lot today. I'm so sorry. Uh, but you know what? That is just the way it is. So we'll be right back. Bam. This is the longest I have ever went. Oh, iron 45 minutes, me, but I'm cutting a lot of it out because <laughs> uh, because of all the, the technical problems we had. Um, that being said, thank you for staying with me this long. I'm so sorry uh, that, you know, um, usually if we stay this long, it'll be because we have like two or three or four calls and stuff. Um, you can't help that. This is a calling show, not a content show. But I want to get that done today. Um, I know it's, it was a lot of stuff, but man, I hope it helped you um, as it's helped me. The main thing I try to do, man, is to be with God, to let God guide my my way I deal with my children. And it has worked. It has worked over the years. It has worked, man. My kids, they love being around me and my wife. My wife is the nurturer. She's the one that directs everything. You know, she brings me in along and, 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 you know, she brings the kids along and we just, we just rally around her. She's the heart of the home. And if you allow your wife to do that and nurture, man, your home will be very beautiful and peaceful. The kids will want to be around you, around the mother. They'll love hanging out together, you know? And so the last thing I'm going to say is 
Everybody, please go and see the movie Nefarious. Go and see the movie Nefarious. My wife took me last week. The reason it is is banned as a is uh is it's uh look not banned it's not banned. The reason it's has it's in the horror genre is because of it, it's talked about Satan and demons and things like that. But it it doesn't show any of that stuff. The reason it's banned like that because it's directed at kids to get uh, uh, kids and young adults to go see the movie. It's Catholic all the way. Is on the faith, completely of the faith. Oh my God, you would not believe how good it is. And they're they were trying to get kids, they were trying to get youth and kids to come to God more. And so you what do you have to do as a marketer? You got to you got to put things that kids will want to see, like the, the, the scary picture and being in the horror genre. Kids love that stuff. But when they get in there. It's, it, it, it lives up to its billing, but man, it is not what you think. It is so good. You've got to go see it. The rated R is not, you won't even, don't even worry about the rated R. They probably made a rated R probably because the, the of how uh, a prisoner dies uh, in an electric chair. That's the really probably the rated R, but it, it has no, no foul language. It has none of that stuff, man. It is really, really good, man. You will see. You will not be disappointed that you were to go see that movie, Nefarious. It is. It is. It puts the perspective of how how Satan has taken over the the, the world and their plan and everything, and how the angels and and Satan are are and, and, and how the angels and 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 the church is 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 a move to fight it and stuff like that, fight evil. And it's in movie form. It's not a documentary. It's in movie form. It is so good. And I'm a movie buff, man. So if I tell you something's good, it's good. It's not going to waste your time. So with that being said, we're out of here for the day. Um, um, and so we end, as we always do, with Pope Benedict XVI, which states, Society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast. Pray and prepare for battle. Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313 Radical. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit CatholicAlpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang.